0: The Grange Town Gardening Guru has returned, ladies and gentlemen. You've listened to the last episode. The man is warmed up. My mystery guest, he's come back, he's knocked on the door he says, I've got more gardening information to impart to your listeners. Ladies and gentlemen, the Grange Town Gardening Guru.
1: (laughs) I like that, that's very good. Uh, Lazy beds is the first uh, thing I think I'd like to talk about. The, um, we, we think of it as only an Irish thing, but really it started off in Peru. And uh, what you, they, They're right on the... Uh, well, just farther south a little uh, than the equator, but um, they're right up in the high so that they get frost, etc., um, I presume, up there. Up at Lake Tichicata, and they grow um, their potatoes on a slope, and so, and it's facing the the south. You see, so it gets uh, whichever it is, it gets all the sun. So they have a ridge across uh, and bank up the soil that they have just dug out, so that when the water runs down the hill, it hits it and stops, and then just above it. They make uh, a piece of uh, land. They, they 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 just skinned. Uh, they put uh, some fertilizer of some sort. Uh, presumably up there, it'll be uh, animal um, or odour. I think is a proper word for it, but I didn't. I'm not going to say that. And then they put some uh, something over the top, which is loose and fi- friable. And then they put the potatoes in right against the bottom of it so that it's got something much like you've earthed up your potato before you start. And then when they they, uh, come to the end of the season, they've got them, all that that underneath the soil there is ready to eat. And that's that, that bit. Now, in Ireland, they were, well, they were peasants. They were driven off all the decent land after them, uh, O'Neill's um, gave up and uh, went down to um, the Vatican, and we are talking a long time ago now. But uh, th- those who took over um, forced them off all the good land, and that's why cross McGlen Glen they can look down at where the uh, settlers had taken their land. So I'm not going to worry about um, the ins and outs of that part of it, But they then had to find some way of eating, so of course there's no fish up on the top of the mountain, is there? So they had to do something and a lot of the men then went away during the summer months and did work in Britain. And the um, ones that were before they went, they made lazy beds very similar to those which the um, Peruvians had done. Well, They then used uh, straw that had been used for thatching was one uh, possibility for covering them. Um, The other thing was they wanted something which had manure in it, if they could, in the bottom. So seaweed was a a strong contender and when it's completely dried out you can mash it right up small. So that was added to it in the bottom. Then they put the potatoes in. Then they covered it with this strawy stuff. And then they planted broad bean seeds over the top. And then they left the women and they went over to Scotland to plant potatoes and all the rest of the things they could do. And they went to the middle of England and worked there on the buildings and that kind of thing. And at the end of the year, they went back home theoretically, with all the money they'd earned, but actually they pissed it against the wall, most of it. So the women, in the meantime, had stolen some of the potatoes out of these lazy beds so that they could eat. They'd eaten the broad beans because by then they were finished, and uh, that's how they did that one. So now you've got the Irish thing. What was the other one? Oh, I know. Um, one of my friends and I... We're talking one day and uh, he, he's a Quaker and he has um, relatives in Australia and, uh, and in New Zealand. And he went out to see his um, son, I think it was his son, in um, Australia. And uh, the lady put him up and very nice to see you sort of stuff. And he stayed there. And uh, one day she said, oh, go and pull some potatoes, will you, love? And he said, oh, all right, love, so out he goes to the garden and he can see potato plants, but he didn't know. There's none of them turn colour like you would if you were growing them for yourself at home, and you usually let them go into the yellow and um, then you dig them out and you get all the right ones. But what they do there, apparently, I've not been out to Australia, is they, they spread chicken, dung, I think that's the polite word, over the the ground, then they um, put the potato pieces on top of it at, at suitable intervals, and then they bury it in sand. Well, this means two things. One is they can water the sand, it'll go straight through, and the people, or the things that are growing at the bottom, always got water and they always got something to eat. But the other thing about it is because it's sand, it's lighting colour and it reflects the heat so so that they don't get too hot in a hot climate. So that's what they do there. I was talking to my son one day and I said uh, about these kind of things and I said, I don't know who thought of the idea into Australia. And he said, well, they were sailing ships, Dad, and I said, Yes. Well, he said they had um, animals on, they didn't need to feed themselves, he said, and no doubt they had uh, uh, some other things that they could do, but um, they would absolutely have meat when they were going out. They'd probably have goats and pigs and things like that. I said, yeah. He said, so they'd have to feed them, so they'd have something to feed them with from here, he mean in Britain, and... Um, He said, if there was a bit of a storm, he said, "Um, some of it wouldn't get eaten straight away. It'd roll out from, if it was a potato or something like that, or slide out, yeah? I said, yeah. So he said, "Um, and then, of course, they pushed them back in, but perhaps they fed them um, again, and they weren't desperately hungry, and they never went at it, or they couldn't get at them. And he said, so by the time they got the other end, with all the stuff being pushed to one end... They may have found that they they found that there was potatoes ready to eat there, because it takes a long time to go all the way. It's twenty two thousand miles. Well, I think that covers um, potatoes for us. Uh, and lazy beds, and sailing ships. Uh, did I tell you about um? Oh, I know Canada. One of my friends was um. Uh, working in Cardiff, and uh, he originated in some part in the far west of Canada. And uh, I said, I haven't got any seed for the tomatoes on my allotment. This is when I was living in Land of North. And he said, oh, don't you worry about that, he said. My father used to just get a tomato and squeeze it, he said, and uh, put it on the soil. He said, the always come up. So anyway, I tried that. And what I did, I selected something I liked the taste of. And then I squeezed it out onto a piece of glass. And then, of course, it dried onto the glass. And the big thing about that is you can push them off as many as you want to. Mix it with sand so that you can't see it. It's in the sand. And then you can sow it where you uh, intend to grow it across the garden sort of thing. Uh, Make a, a ridge across the garden. Then you uh, sow the sand with the seed in it across there, put a bit of soil over the top, push it down with the back of your rake, and you can wash. If it uh, was dry to start with, you'd have put water in the slot before you'd done all that. And uh, they all come up. And I, I do that regularly. It's, it's, um, I, in fact, in my dog basket when I threw the cherries the other day, And and I've given I don't know how many cherry trees away. Um, They're coming up all over the place, and I've been thinning them. (laughs) So I think that's about as much as I know about um, that part of it. Uh, ah. Well, we'll we'll have a little chat about tomatoes if you like. Okay. Right. Well, I am. I got a friend, as I said, in um, Canada, and uh, he used to plant his tomatoes by using one tomato and he could then feel half a field, fine. Now, when I was down in France, I was camping, and I was not very far from the the bottom of France. And uh, there was um, the place that you could pitch a tent was in a groove between two hills. Okay, Aix-en-Provence, that's what we're talking about. And um, anyway, uh, up the top of the slope, there was some tomatoes growing, and what struck me was odd, I went up to have a look. Um, they had bent them all over at about a foot off the ground. And this, of course, was sheltering the roots from and, and stopping them from drying out. I said to myself, that's what they're doing. And it was producing uh, tomatoes all the way along the... not just at the top of the stem touch. So this morning I thought, oh, yeah, I remember that. I'll have a go. So I got some twigs and um, made sure that the, there was no back on the bottom of them, so that when I pressed them in the ground, they're not going to root. So I did all that, and I bent them over so that they were crossing each other, and I tied them with a bit of um, wire. And then I got a piece of um, this very fine tube that they use for a uh, plastic tube, about a two two foot long, something like that. Across the top of where they were crossing and tied it to them. And then I bent the two tomatoes which are there over and I tied them down with some soft string and I tied them slack so that they can move without being hurt. And um, I'm hopeful that that'll do that. So those two should produce that. Okay. Another thing I noticed, and this was in Italy. Um, I went there in the spring, early, I mean early, um, probably in the March, something of that nature, because it's warmer down there than it is here, and I don't want a particularly hot time, so anyway, I got down there, and th- this particular spot, they had got these ridges, uh, what, like this table, that's two, what, two foot six, is it? High, and uh, they were running uh, northeast, southwest, and they were in parallel all the way along, like that. And on the one side, which was the north something side, they had a, a piece of something which was white, which went the whole of the slope up, and the same distance, nearly the same distance over the top, and they'd planted the potatoes underneath that shade. Okay, so I thought about this and I thought well what they're trying to do is get the roots to go down deep. So any rain would have slid down the back and gone to the bottom, and the, the plant that was upstream from the sun point of view could get all of the water down there. Okay. And the, the tomato plants I could see were about foot and a half high, and we're talking early in the year. I did try it, but I didn't have the uh, gear like the, to do as much as they did. But um, yeah, I thought that was a good idea. Runner um, beans can runner beans. Are you covering
0: them today in today's well, episode?
1: Well, I, I told you about the. Um, when we had that dry 76, didn't I? No, we haven't. Oh. Not for the podcast, I oh, think right. we might have mentioned oh, it right. Oh, right. Well, we had that uh, time and I went up into the mountains and I um, I cut up Caffilly Hill there and I cut quite a lot of um, the, what they call it? Moss, uh, not moss, um, fern. And uh, I wrapped it all over the top of my car uh, so it was about double the height, and I brought it back down and I put it into the um, where the beans were. I had it uh, roll right across the allotment, and I knew I couldn't do all these. I wasn't bothered to do any more because uh, I always give beans away if I got any and this family and so forth. And so I did the first eight, uh, and up to about my waist, I had a higher, and uh, then I collected the um, water from the washing up and bathing and all that sort of thing. And I kept on carting it up and I kept that bit soaking wet. And at the end of the day, the ones at the other end, had all um, they'd set and, and uh, there was dried beans there. So you could use them for seed or you could put them in stews or something like that in the, evening, uh, in the winter. So no problem. But um, we fed well out of those eight in the front. So were the
0: ferns with the water on them, were they a kind of metered watering system?
1: For no, people? no, no, it wasn't that. It was simply that they were sheltering it and the sun was not getting at it. Ah. See, the council shut us off. We couldn't have any water. Oh, of
0: course, yeah, yeah, Because uh, yeah,
1: yeah. some sort of steelworks needed it or something. Yeah. So the ferns were keeping it cool. Yes, it right. the like shade. That, yes.
0: Over the kind of... That's, that's,
1: that's exactly what they were, right. the shade, yeah. Ah. The other thing, one other little thing about that was, at the end of the year, you know, I I gave people seed and what have you, and put some away for uh, cooking in the evening. Uh, But um, there was potatoes in the bottom. They must have come from um, seed. uh, Seed Uh, when I scraped potatoes, cut potatoes, I must have dropped a few things which took off. Yeah.
0: Wow. You know, uh, when we just have a general chat and we're not going live, <laughs> when we're not doing a podcast, we do talk a lot about uh, compost. Yeah. And I know that if you uh, had a bigger garden, you'd be doing a lot more composting than you actually do. You did an organic gardening course. Yes, I did. Because you liked But it the-
1: wasn't a course so much. It was an association of people who wanted to do it, you right. see? Right. So it was a, a group uh, teaching each right. other. Yes, that's exactly how it was, oh, yeah. Oh, lovely. Up in King Coyne it was. Yeah. And um, What sort of things did you cover there then? Well, <laughs> I had to give a lecture once. I thought, oh, well, all right then. And it was um, about, uh, in the Sahara, they were then talking about... Um, you know, the, the business of, it used to be slash and burn, and they could move along, slash and burn, and, and, and in a big cycle. But as it's dried up again, the people, the Maasai and so forth, are bringing their cattle down and eating where they would normally, the other people would have normally grown things. So the possibility of having rows of something which would... Um, Break the wind uh, so they could hold water there. Um, be uh, usable by their livestock, like their goats or whatever they normally, uh, sufficient to feed them so they can get some milk and that kind of thing. Anyway, I did the lecture, and uh, one of these fellows who does the um, BBC uh, praised it, and it really didn't sound like me at all. But you can't do anything about it i mean um i i felt aggrieved right yeah that's about the point of it he'd taken the the, the nutrients out of your yeah what well, he'd used what he wanted ah. and he it's a bit like the bbc today uh, well, feel uh, free because we
0: are an independent broadcaster <laughs> i have criticized the bbc on this podcast well, before
1: now go for it Ken. Uh, all right well what happens now is they, they've um, agreed this is a story, but if we say so-so and so-so, it won't sound like that. It'll sound like this, won't it? And the other thing they do is, I heard the man say, I do 140 words a minute. Now, that is a lot of me. If you're trying to explain something to a person who's listening hard, uh, you don't get the story that way. Uh, they, they they know exactly what they're doing, yeah. and they go into some of these schools, I'm told, I've not been there, because I'm, I'm uneducated. <laughs> they um, If they've got two fellas who are about to have a fight, they say, hey, stop, you stand on that stool, you stand on this stool, and you explain to each other why, and then they get that. Like that man said, he, was, um, he wasn't he was telling a lie. He was being economic with the truth. Right. And yeah. they, they practice it. Oh, yeah. And nearly all the people who are um, in there, in the BBC today come from those uh, three or four very big hmm. uh, places, public schools, public schools yeah. and uh, universities. Yeah. So in essence, we're getting filtered
0: propaganda. Yeah, we? all the time and i suppose the only thing uh relatively untouched is gardener's question time
1: well even even then then, that's right even then i mean that that man he stands there and he smiles and i'm getting a bit old for it now he's a nice man don't Mm. get me wrong Mm. however um he's he's influenced by it as well i can't help himself Mm. Well,
0: you have been listening to the morning programmes on the BBC Radio 4 yeah. for a long time. Yeah. And we, you know, I don't listen as much as you, but I try, but I find that their voices uh, are grating. I can't listen to the early morning news. You know, I wish they would swap their presenters around. Yes, yeah, The probably... guy in the afternoon, um... he'd be better off in the morning. And um... the lady in the morning... Would be, uh, in the afternoon be better off in the evening? She'd be bit better off. off. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, the, no, 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 that's fine.
1: But, you know, she isn't distinct when she's speaking. Yeah. The, the man in the morning is, uh, I, I can see that he's, um, he's, uh, he's rehearsed all the questions he wants to, before he starts. Mm. And uh, I notice the other thing they do is they retain the things that's going to be awkward to answer mm. till nearly the time that the um, radio is going to tell you the news. Yeah. And then they say, "I'm sorry, but we'll have to." Above, uh, and he doesn't get a chance to answer the question properly. No, they rush they, it. Cut, they cut him off. Yeah. So See? it's all about timing, isn't yeah, it? Of course, it is. a whole load of it like that, and and they they don't have any questions which are going to cause a long delay for because I want to get six. Of these out now mm, mm. Um. well we've, we've veered
0: from gardening into <laughs> BBC and broadcasting but as I told our one listener <laughs> that um, we would be talking about different topics and this is why you and I have such good conversations <laughs> that lend themselves to the podcasting medium is the fact that we can move from one topic to the yeah, other that's now right you can stay with gardening you can go
1: with broadcast you can talk about anything you like well i don't think i'm going to go in for more um, telling off about the the bbc okay i th- i think you've, i've you've got my f- i've told the story as yeah. i see it let's like, hope there's some
0: I'll some like, big wig in bbc listening to this now uh,
1: yeah well maybe who can say who can say um yeah and um what I didn't like, and this is not BBC's fault, but it, it, it is a, a factor of all the trouble in Ireland at the moment, is we, we came out of um, Brexit and we never uh, were explained why we were coming out. I, I read a, a book which was um, by a, a Labour Party fella. Um what's his name now? Tony Ben. Tony Ben, aye. And um I sent it to my son I said, you ought to have a read of this love. He thought it was um, wrong going in. Mm. Mm. Seventy-three,
0: seventy-four.
1: Yeah, and that was um Wilson who took us in.
0: It was Ted Heath who took us in, conservative.
1: Yeah, but it was it was what you call backed him. Oh did he? Wilson backed him did he? Yeah. Right. And Ben was but he was very dubious about it. Right. Uh, and the reason he was um, saying was there wasn't an annual or, or four-annual um, election for ministers to go into it. They were appointed and then they'd forgotten. Yeah. Uh, that was the one uh, aspect he was on about. But we had been in for
0: about 40 years mm. and nobody paid it the blind bit of attention until the public schoolboy, David Cameron... Mm gave in to his back benches yeah.
1: and a certain Mr. Nigel Farage Farage I just I tell you what we had every time it did they never asked is um, what do you think our uh, person who is in the uh, thing thinks about it ever? Every time there was a question it was Mr. Farage and then he went over to America to, uh, to that uh, chump. Chump. Ch- chump. You got yeah. it right first time? <laughs> yeah. The chump Trump, Trump. yeah. And, um, and advocated his uh, views. Yeah. And uh, the consequences are that, that that man done a lot of damage to the world. But I mean, I can't do anything about it. And I couldn't do anything about it at any time. Well, this is it. But,
0: but we can do something about it by talking about it. But it's too late. Well, it's too late about Europe. It's too late about Trump. But. It's, is it too late, then, about climate change? Because you're a gardener, you're yeah, a green no. man, well, you vote for the Green Party, as I did yeah. in the last election. Is it too late about the climate? What do you I, think? Don't,
1: I don't think we can stop it now. Um, the other thing is, um, I've got a uh, grandson who, well, <laughs> I don't want to say he's a genius, but he's bloody close to it. And uh, uh, and he wants to be a physicist. Fine. Now I am a, he. I'm not really. I don't see him very often, and we're not on the same wavelength. Uh, but um, I tried to explain to him that I don't understand why the period of the verm periods and the ice periods uh, is not a consistent pattern. And so I had suggestions, and um, uh, he tried to shoot me down. And uh, I know that it set him thinking, which is something. You know, if you have um, a, a a spider's web, well, I think that the um, the, the sun is the centre of a of a web, and all the things that are going round it are. Uh, balancing pulls to do that. So something from farther out um, accelerates into it and it goes bang like a big bumblebee hit in a small water call. And it shakes everything and it, then it gets itself out and goes. And then the spider reconnects it all, but it's not exactly the same. And then the pull of all these different things will be a different pull, uh, and then they, they eventually get almost back to where they were.
0: Right. So
1: that's, he, that's that's my... I said this to him yeah, yeah. as an illustration yeah. to see what he thought about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, he, he's, he... Well, let me tell you. When he was in school, he never, ever had less than an A. Hmm. Good. Then when it came to the last year, he took one extra thing and he got... A stars on all of them, so we are talking about a bloke who got, uh, he's biased towards learning isn't he, for for nothing else can be said about it. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, well he is, he wants, and maths on him, He don't think about it, maths just wallows into his head on his own, you know. Well he's got it from somebody and... uh, It's from his mother and father,
0: not from me. Well, you claim to be self-educated, but I know that you have stopped a number of people in their tracks with your width and breadth of knowledge, that you have an organic knowledge that has grown from a lot of reading. You're self-taught. But in my opinion, it's a better form of education. You're not like me. I have a rigid, and that's because I've been educated through the prison system. Indoctrinated. That's right, yeah. Very difficult to think outside the box. Well, you see, I always think outside the box on every damn subject. Well, this is Is why today I want to share it with the world (laughs) because I think it's wonderful. (laughs) What are we going to talk about next? (laughs) Oh
1: Well, there we are. Um, Or do we bring
0: this episode to a close and think of a different topic next time? Oh,
1: i got lots of other topics. Come on then, let's have
0: it.